0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. Welcome to Democracy Isham Toure.
2: and I'm Danielle Moody.
1: And we wanted to do something a little different today in terms of talking about the way forward for American policing, because there's a huge debate in the community about are we reforming or are we completely starting over? And I hear the Minneapolis, City council loud and clear when they say we have tried reform. Mm -hmm. And the idea that police officers who we can see rioting across the nation and continuing to treat us like shit across Mm -hmm. the nation, giving them some new rules and saying, please follow these when you are the only authority, there's no transparency. There's really not much responsibility that you have to take for your actions. You lie all the time. And we're just supposed to trust that you're just going to do what you're supposed to do. That doesn't make any sense. So we want to talk about, but people keep saying, well, what will I do to prevent chaos and the purge from happening if there's not the police to save me? And we already have what we as black and brown people feel is basically the purge with the police and the way they treat us. So we wanna try to imagine something new. And I have some ideas, I know you have some ideas. What do you think a post-police world should look like? Like how do we move forward into having public safety without the current police force?
2: So I think that language is really important. And I think that when folks are talking about the reforming of police, police don't need to be reformed. We need to be reimagined. We need a system that is completely and totally reimagined from its current state. And for me, that looks like, one, when folks are saying that we need to defund police, I agree with that. Why? Because we've been defunding public education for I don't know how long we've been taking money away from public education. We've been taking money away from healthcare from all of these places. When I found out this week that the NYPD's budget is six billion dollars, I almost threw up in my mouth. Mm. Um, because why is the NYPD's budget as big as a small nation? And yet our students, right, Mayor de Blasio had to figure out that a majority of kids in New York City didn't have laptops. So distance learning from the jump was going to be a difficult conversation to have. So I think that it's important for us, one, that cops have a limited budget because I don't know why they need the latest and greatest in in toy soldier gear. That's number one. Two, um, I believe that we need to take guns away from police officers. I don't think there are many countries in the world that don't have that don't have police uh, that use guns while we have just recently are, are putting in uh, into policy, taking away chokeholds, um, you know, putting a ban on all of those things. Very important. But most black people have been shot to death by police, not choked by them. So I think that it's important for us to take away guns. Um, I also think that we are calling police into a lot of situations where they should not be. For instance, I don't know how many times that we have seen a young black child between the ages of four and seven have the police called on them at their school because they are in the midst of a tantrum. Why Mm. are we calling police for those instances? Mm. Because there are no social services at the schools, because there are no nurses at these schools. So, Mm. again, I think that it's very important for us to start thinking about what it is that we actually need the police for, because they have had this expanded role because they have these ballooned budgets, and so people feel like, well, we have to use them because their budget is $6 billion, but we're not using police in the way that actually serves the community in the best way.
1: No, people leap to, well, what are we going to do in the case of murder, rape and domestic violence? Those are the three big examples that come up right away all the time. Um, The police are very bad at stopping murder before it happens. They're very bad at stopping domestic violence and they're very bad at stopping rape. They're also really bad at catching murderers. The murder clearance rate in every big city is... Fairly low, usually around 50 or 40 percent. The rate of catching people who commit rape is extraordinarily low. Um, And there's too many situations from DV to other sorts of things when the police arrive and make everything worse. They generally arrive with guns and decide who to shoot and who to take to jail. Mm -hmm. Right. These are not the decisions that we need to make in delicate uh, interpersonal situations. And the thing is that what we have currently are generalists, crime, like say crime generalists with guns. And, you know, your notion of like fewer guns is absolutely spot on. We need to have a radical shrinking in the number of police, which means a radical shrinking in the number of people with guns. Yep. We don't need people with guns when we have traffic stops. We don't need them to come out and deal with a car crash. We don't need them uh, to deal with the aftermath of a rape. We don't need them to walk into a situation where a husband and wife are angry at each other and somebody has been violent towards somebody else. We don't need to add guns to these situations. I could see having a relatively small sort of SWAT team that exists on call for the extraordinarily rare times when there's an active shooter situation, right? Mm -hmm. We have a, you know, or we have a known criminal organization that is operating here. So these, this elite group of men and women will target that situation, right? They're, they're all, but like when you walk into the hospital, Right. I mean, yeah, there's doctors who do general practice, but if you need actual help, you're going to get specific really quickly. Right. And And people are like, I do. I do the neck. That's what I do. Right. We have we have we have crime generalists who like I cover all sorts of things and I do most of them pretty badly.
2: I think that, you know, I really like uh, the the um, analogy that you have here about special specialties. Right. Like. The police clearly, yes, they're very generalized and generally very bad. And so it would if you have, to your point, a domestic violence situation, wouldn't it be better to send in somebody that is a psychologist or uh, in hand in hand with a negotiator rather than send it rather than sending in? Like you're saying, all you are every time that we call police, you're just adding a gun to the situation. And, and I really like of the way and the potential of prison. And I really like the way that you are outlining this because that's all it is that we're doing. We're not adding someone to the situation that is going to be able to walk people through de-escalation, right? If right. it is a if it is a domestic violence. If it is somebody that was just raped. Again, what is a police officer doing? Right. In that in that particular instance. Again, why not sit down with a psychologist, with somebody that's able to pull the information out of you in a very thoughtful and caring way and then be able to provide that information to police? I think that we've gotten ourselves into the situation where we think that police are the end all be all. And what we are finding, too, is that I don't know, they fucking lie. They lie all the time.
1: They lie all the time. They create a lot of the violence that we have in our uh, lives between the murder, the assault, the stop and frisk. Um, But also the police are criminogenic. Right. This is part of what we have to do deal with that. The police uh, arresting people for small, nonviolent crimes, putting them in the system making it harder for them slash impossible for them to get jobs leads to them becoming criminal, right? And when you have an over-policed community filled with younger men Mm -hmm. who all have a record of some level because the police are there overseeing, and I mean that word, their every action, then -hmm. you have a large community of people who are like, well, let's figure out an underground way of getting money. So it's not just... A radical reformation of the police, which we need, but also a change on the other side. I wanna see it be much easier for people who have committed a nonviolent felony to be able to return to the above ground job market yes. stuff like ban the box so we don't have to know like that you've committed a crime so that you're not incentivized to go into the underground economy rather than trying to come back to the above ground economy i want to see the end of the war on drugs and a legalization of marijuana, right? Yep. And, and Or legalization of drugs in general, but especially marijuana, so that we are crushing the underground drug market. Only the legalization of drugs could actually crush the underground drug market. We cannot police our way out of it. We've tried for, what, 60 years? It doesn't work. It's impossible. Um, if we do that, then we, re- then we minimize a major or re- eliminate a major source of crime in America um and violence in America and we have far less reason to take a lot of people to prison and we also need to make it much harder uh to get somebody into prison right because prison itself is criminogenic so if we reduce the the things that funnel people into crime then we will get less crime we will have less need for police to be uh to be on top of them.
2: You know what's really, as you're talking and you're listing out these things that I think that are incredibly important and make sense, I think what we are also forgetting, why why people think it's so radical, right? To have this abolition of the police, to defund the police, like why they think it's so radical is because it's a money-making entity for a particular group of people who are in power, right? So it's like we can do all of these things but you can only do them if your if if your end game is about having less people in prison. But that has never been the end game. It's like we moved from slavery to the prison industrial complex because there had to be a way where you are funneling these black people, these unwanted, right, into a controlled system into a system that you can control them in. Mm. And it's so it's like How do you, it's, we can decentivize, right, by legalization and all of these things. But I wonder how successful it's going to be if there's an entire industry that makes tens of millions of dollars a year off of the more you incarcerate, right? Like the more you incarcerate, the more money you're going to make. That's why you have these judges that, down the road, we end up finding out how come you're sentencing said black kid to 20 years in prison, but the white kid who did armed robbery as well is getting two. And it's because it's you're incentivized; you get these kickbacks. So I think I mean, that we have to go through we have to go through and root out the money making aspect of of the prison industrial system as well, if we want to get the reforms that are needed.
1: There's two major ways that. Cops are incentivized to make arrests and issue citations uh, and put people in proximity to going to jail or in jail altogether. And And it doesn't even go as far as the sort of kickbacks from the private prison industry to judges that you're talking about, which happens. But that doesn't happen all the time. But this that I'm talking about happens all the time. There are quotas. Police officers are expected to keep up with the Joneses. They are not told. And and I just spoke to a police officer about this 20 minutes ago. They cannot be told you got to make 20 arrests a month. Right. The union would come in and say, no, you can't do that. However, if Jill and Jack are making 20 arrests a month, you're you're expected to keep up. 18, 20 arrests, certain number of citations, you're expected to be in the ballpark. If you're not in the ballpark, then you will be cited, you will be demoted, you will be humiliated. Why are you not doing your job? You can't say, I didn't see any arrestable offenses. That's that's insane. And when you want to move up and be promoted— um they look at what you've done. And if you're not making arrests, then you're not a good officer and you can't move up. But the other thing this officer told me that I really had no idea about. If, an, if a police officer in most jurisdictions, in most departments, if a police officer spends, if the police officer sets foot in a courtroom, mm-hmm. that is overtime. And the first three hours, you get three hours of court of overtime. So if he spends five minutes in court, he gets three hours of overtime. If he spends four, two hours, he gets three hours. If he spends four hours, he gets four hours. OK, so mm-hmm. if he writes you a citation, you have to show up in court. He shows up in court. He's getting three hours of overtime. So he is getting paid to make arrests and citations so even when you get a so sometimes you get like a bullshit citation and you're like why are you pulling me over and they seem really nice and they're like look just show up in court it'll get thrown out don't worry about it no big deal but he's like i'm gonna get several hundred dollars extra overtime for this
2: that's just madness Like, that's just that's just that's just fucking dumb.
1: If you're a security guard for, you know, Gucci or Nike or whatever, if nobody steals, you did a good job. Everything worked out. We didn't have to detain anybody because we were visible. We were on top of our job. You know, we were good. If a police officer says I had no arrestable offenses this month, you fucked up. So how are we in a system? Yeah, where the police must. I mean, like, you know, if a surgeon doesn't do any surgeries, that's not like you were not doing your job. (laughs) But a police officer must make arrests. So, of course, they are incentivized to make bad arrests in a in a in a quota, in a financial incentive situation where they must make arrests. This is an insane system. We need this. Why do we need this? We
2: don't we don't need it. And it and and that's the thing, too. And I feel like the people who make these very like overt, crazy statements like, well, what about murder and what about this? And like, what about that? And I'm just like, all I keep thinking about is did we need a police officer? Did we need a police officer to go and roll by the playground where Tamir Rice was playing? Right. Did we need a police officer? Um, like, do do you need to be holding a gun in order to pull somebody over who has a broken taillight or roll through a stop sign? Like, is it important for you to do that? And then, but the response to array is always, "What if the other person has a gun?" This is always like there' Like, police enter into a dangerous job; they don't know who's doing what when. And I said, but the assumption is that black people are always up to no good. Do you know right. what I'm well, saying? This is, so you- right.
1: This is this is the broken windows philosophy that we're tapping into. Right. That any small uh, deviance from normal life could then lead to uh, you catching a mass murderer. Right. So you hop over a turnstile. We stop that person. They could be a mass murderer. You could stop a major crime, which then leads to the idea that every citizen is a potential horrific criminal um which is just not true and the idea that a lot of people leap to when we talk about abolition is that uh, uh, is that is that you know if we remove the police the purge will immediately start right the police is, are the
2: ones causing the purge
1: the police are causing the purge our lives are currently in purge like chaos because of the police i walk around in fear of the police every single day but the other side is saying we're really, it's its an inherently racist idea. We are afraid of black people. They will start to kill us as soon as the police are removed, which is completely insane. I saw a meme last night. Uh, they said, they, they were like, you know, a robber's going to break into your house as soon as we remove the police. And the belief was like, no, nobody wants your crappy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's I- just,
2: it, it, it just all of those extremes are are dumb. And I think in the ways in which, you know, this is this is again, it goes back to the incentivizing of why you would pull black and brown people over. Right. More so than white people, because the underlying assumption is that we're always up to no good. So maybe you get a twofer. You get to pull somebody over. You are going to issue them a citation. But, you know, they're black, so they probably have a gun. So then I get to, like, issue an arrest like it's just all feeds into the lies and the racism that we have. One of the things that keeps coming up this week, too, as we learn more about officer uh, former officer Derek Chauvin. Mm. Is that um, the the club where him and George Floyd were employed as security at the same time? That Derek Chauvin was afraid of black people.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. I heard that. Yeah,
2: he's afraid. So how you go into a profession, right? When you when you clearly have deep seated fears of yeah. like a group of people that you're supposed to. So did but did Derek Chauvin look scared to you? No. no, he looked like he had gotten to conquer the beast, right? Like that's what that's what it looked like. But you have, yeah. like, yeah. it's just it. The idea that these people are entering into a profession that requires a, le- a level of mental stability that if you are racist, you are not mentally stable because you have filled sure. your head with delusions <laughs> about a group of people that yeah. are not that are that are not true, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it just. When I think about these things, I think about the fact that, yeah, we don't we I I would rather a hall monitor. I'd rather having a bunch of a bunch of uh, stop light and stop sign hall monitors around my city that like want to shake a finger at me than the Derek Chauvin's of the world who like clearly are mentally unstable, are not getting the rigorous type of testing that they need in order to have the responsibility of carrying a gun?
1: Look, I don't know that he's a white supremacist. I know that he performed a racist action in the way that he approached and murdered George Floyd. But I also know that the FBI is talking about um, we are seeing a large-scale infiltration of, of actual white supremacists into American police departments. And we don't know how many because people are not like, what are your hobbies? Bowling, tennis, KKK, black people's homes, Kiwanis Club. Like, that's not happening, right? They're not walking in flashing the fucking three-finger signal. So we don't know how many of them are, but we know that they're there enough that the FBI felt that it was important to send out an alarm that this is happening. How are we supposed to live... In a situation where we have white supremacists with guns and badges who are able to hunt us. I mean, you know, one of the biggest problems, I think, because the, the traffic interaction, right? And mm-hmm. the cop pulls somebody over for some small vehicular infraction and or all the way up from, you know, ran a stop sign to speeding or what have you. This is always heavy handed overwrought, a man with a gun, the least little interaction, and it becomes, you know, pull out your gun, get your rest. They they come to these moments with all this ego. You know what? These, almost all of these could be handled with cameras and computers and drones. And we don't even need to have cops sitting like mice on the side of the road, hiding in the bushes, Waiting to see somebody who's going five or 10 miles over the speed limit or somebody who, you know, went through the red light two seconds too fast or too late. Like we could do all of that with cameras and computers and drones and remove that from human interaction because they clearly are scared as hell. Every time they walk up to a car, right. So let's so, remove so that let's from remove them.
2: The fe- let's 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 take away the fear aspect. <laughs> since, since you're so right? afraid,
1: you don't have to do that.
2: And 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 get a drone instead, right? Get a robot to do their job because clearly they They're don't have scared. the temperament, right, to be <laughs> no. able to manage a job of this of this grave importance. Like that's the thing too, because I think that a part of the reimagining is like, who the fuck are these people? What kind of psychological testing are we doing to make sure to be able to find the white supremacist, to be able to find the person that is power hungry on an ego trip and all they need is a badge and a gun to live out their fantasies? Because that's what it looks like we are seeing. Right. Like, why are we watching as these police officers rush cars into crowds, use their batons or shields to, like, shove people down? That, that is that is mis- that is like the the like all of the ickiness, right? Of like straight men that y'all need to like have feel like you have some type of power, feel like you have some type of domination over people,
1: domination, and that and the idea
2: is about it's about submission, right? Yeah, like they are looking is. at policing as this idea of I get you have to submit. Did you hear Matt O'Meara? Uh, from, from the NYPD talk about this past week, this past week, he said, you know, the, the media, they're looking at us like animals and they're treating us and they're vilifying us and treating us like thugs. And I said, (laughs) I said, so you've been treated like a, you've been treated like an N word for what? 11 days, 11 days, try 400 plus years of like being treated like an animal. Right. Mm-hmm. Being villainized by the media. Get the fuck over yourself.
1: The other thing, to, I guess, to bring it back to the election, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, oh, defund and abolition that will throw the election to Trump. I didn't hear anybody saying, you know, uh, when we had millions of peaceful protesters in the street. Uh, protesting a cause that was extremely sympathetic for a lot of people. And Trump said, we need law and order now. I didn't hear anybody say, oh, that'll throw the election to Biden. But whatever. Um, mm. This is not Biden's position. This is the no. position of many of us on the left to the left of Biden. But Biden's position is not not even significant to funding. He's definitely not abolition. Um, but I refuse. I mean, I, I reject the conversation, number one, because every election is based it comes down to the economy not to this issue right and i also reject the conversation because i refuse to temper my demand which is please stop killing us to (laughs) make it palatable for trump voters or for voters who are still weighing maybe i go with trump maybe i go with biden i'm not sure these are people who don't give a fuck about our lives. So I'm not interested in finding the right slogan and message that will appeal to them. The deme- Our request is, please stop killing us.
2: I, I just, I don't, like, and I, again, Toure. there were 100 million people who stayed home in 2016 that were eligible to vote, mm-hmm. right? Why Both. can't we ever concern ourselves with those people as opposed to Trump voters. I don't, I don't know how many times I have to say that I do not give a fuck about these people. I do not care what they are interested in. I don't care what they are afraid of. I don't care about their desires and their wants and their vision for this country. I don't give a fuck.
1: No, I don't give a fuck about the 40 percent of them,
2: as far as I'm concerned, can go to hell. Literally, I, th- I, like, think- I I'm not interested in creating slogans and, and initiatives that are going to bring these people f- uh, from the other side of the aisle. I don't care. Right. I care about Biden, energizing those other people.
1: Biden does, which is part of why I'm, I'm disappointed and frustrated to him. I don't want cops shooting at us in the leg instead of the heart and saying like, well, that's that's an improvement. Like, how about not shooting us at all? How about finding ways to de-escalate? How about decreasing the number of armed cops on the streets who are in offensive positions, out looking for us um, and looking for crimes to take down? Um, that's not what I want. Um, the you're right. The people if if didn't vote was a candidate in the election in 2016, a normal election, they would ha- they would rival the the amount the percentage of americans who voted for the two candidates we have right like they might have won the election um pretty much it is it is very hard to get people who did not vote off the sidelines and there's a there's a an array of reasons why people don't vote i would like to see rather than the biden strategy of trying to peel off the center or the right free the right fringe that's closest to him say hey republicans you can feel comfortable voting for me i'd rather see him say hey democrats real democrats you can come rally around me which is right. clearly not the strategy um but here we are
2: can we just talk also um <laughs> can we talk about another strategy that came up this week what uh, what you got? Uh, the the Kenty cloth, <laughs> and 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 the kneeling. Can we? Not,
1: can we? Can we, can, we not, can, nope, can we not? Nope. Nope.
2: Nope. We're going. We to. We have
1: to. Uh, yep. God, that was um, so disappointing.
2: I know, and, I, and I know because I was like, when do, well, I guess we're we're gonna get to it now. Um, so let's talk about the performance because that's what the fuck it was.
1: Hated it.
2: Um, of trying to connect with Black people. How many Black people at all of the protests that you have been going to have you seen donned in Kente cloth?
1: Zero. And also, if Kente is not a normal part of your wardrobe, don't just throw it on to signal to Black people solidarity.
2: But, like, who does that single solidarity to? It's so like it's so bizarre to me. It's like they might as well have also taken a Kwanzaa candle stand and lit it on the Capitol floor as well. (laughs) Like, I just didn't understand what this like minstrel show was that they were putting on.
1: No, it was horrifying. It was embarrassing. It was terrible. Um, I am I mean, to take a step back, I am. Fully against kneeling in this moment, becoming the big symbol of solidarity while we were protesting uh, someone kneeling on a black person's neck. I know you're trying to make reference to Colin Kaepernick, but I see Derek Chauvin also. And I want to just let's just not kneel at all. Um, I am completely offended at uh, people calling for cops to kneel. Or you see at a lot of the protests, they yell at the cops, like, kneel with us. I've seen protests where we kneel with cops. It is disgusting. It is gross. And it really links this as some sort of interpersonal thing where we need to have a better interpersonal relationship with the cops rather than to have a governmental level rethink about policing in general. Um, You know, the, the... I don't need empty symbolic gestures exactly from people who have the ability to make policy that changes my life.
2: Yeah. Don't give me performances when you have the ability to do policy change. Like all they needed to do was come out with a bill that they had put together that was going to ban chokeholds, that was going to have independent investigators, all of those things and stand at a podium and offer that.
0: Don't we, give yeah. me
2: Kente cloths and, and kneeling as if that is somehow because what it shows me is that you literally don't know black people at all.
1: And, and and you know, typical of what Democrats often do, um, they released a bill and they kneeled with Kente cloth. And all we all talked about was Kente cloth and kneeling and, and not, not the, bill. the bill. And people are like, well, what about the bill? And I'm like, I don't remember the bill because I'm stuck remembering that. Horrific performance art photograph that really just I mean, like Nancy Pelosi, get off your knee. Stop fucking kneeling and well, push this also, fucking bill She couldn't Congress. actually
2: get off of her knees because oh, really? she's 80 and shouldn't have been down on her knee in the first goddamn place. Just, I mean, folks, here's the thing. We don't need performances. We need policy. I don't want cops to take a knee. I don't even want them to be marching with people. I want them not to kill black people. And I want them not to be incentivized to kill black people. It is not that fucking hard.
1: Don't kneel with cops. Don't march with cops. Don't hug cops. It's not a good first start. It's not a good idea. It does not help. The problem is not that they don't love us enough. They don't, but that's not the problem. The problem is the, the authority we give them, the lack of responsibility, the lack of transparency, the, uh, the having way too much power, way too many guns. These are the problems and they yep. can be dealt with through policy, not yep. through fucking kneeling and holding hands and playing basketball and dancing with us. Don't do any of that because you know what? A person in a badge, and a uniform cannot stand in solidarity with me against the cops, okay? You cannot be, and you're not in solidarity. You have taken a position. And yeah. you know how many American police officers have resigned in response to either what Derek Chauvin did or what cops across the nation did rioting in response to us protesting their violence? How many resigned? That huh. would be solid. Zero. Zero.
2: Zero. Well, well, Zero. Oh, yeah, While well, I was Buffalo, thinking about the people, they resigned in Buffalo, but that was really it was not they, a real.
1: In Buffalo, they resigned from one specific.
2: Yeah, task force.
1: yeah. Yeah. They didn't resign from the force. They right. resigned from that emergency group. But they resigned in response to two people being suspended for pushing a 75 year old peace activist to the ground and causing blood to come out of his head. He's still in the hospital.
2: He's still in the hospital. But, do you know, but do you know who hasn't sent him flowers but did send him a tweet? Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God. That was just dis- your I mean, this president br- brings it back to, you know, in every conversation, we can have a moment where we're like, "And of course, Trump said the dumbest, most disgusting thing that anybody could have said in the entire conversation." Um, uh,
2: I can't. I can't. I, can't. I, can't, I, I, can't, I know. Can't. I can't either. I can't. It's it's it was really it's offensive. It's gross. And honestly, what I appreciate and applaud all of the protesters for is that you know what? It's been two weeks, and we are actually starting to see change, real change happen for the first time from the Minneapolis, Minneapolis. you know, from the Minneapolis City Council uh, voting to defund, uh, to disband, excuse me, to disband uh, the 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 police uh, department there to the votes that happened in New York uh, to repeal 50A, which is the ability to have more transparency. So we know about cops records. Right. Like if we had known that a Derek uh, Derek Chauvin had 17 excessive force charges against him, right? Like these are things that people need to know. Those are real policy actions that are taking place. You had Portland, Oregon, the uh, female chief stepped down, right? After only six months on the job because- she can't she want she wanted to move out of the way because of the mishandling of the George Floyd case. And now there is a black now a black lieutenant has become the chief of police there. So we are seeing actual real policy change in action coming from these two weeks of protests. And I think that people just need to keep doing it.
1: We need a lot more. The action that we've had so far is not nearly enough. We both know that the next George Floyd is inevitable will probably happen within the next month. And that is just, by George Floyd, I just mean an explosive, viral, um, offensive uh, moment that everybody sees. Because the cops murder uh, about 1,100 people a a year. year. Most Mm -hmm. of them black, right? So a black person is getting killed by police pretty much every day. So... There's a name we could pick out today, tomorrow, and the day after of somebody who got murdered. And I assure you, many, many, many of them are not justified. And the only reason why they're not becoming big national stories is because there's not um, cameras on them. I would also like to see, even though this is stepping way down in terms of the seriousness of all this, but still images matter, culture matters. um, Enough of this um, cop propaganda crap, right? We saw um cops is finally off the air. I imagine live PD is not too far away from getting killed also. But there's all these shows like Brooklyn 99 that set in police stations that make cops look fun and cute and officer friendly and ha ha and it's disgusting and it is propaganda. That yeah. makes the police look good, look responsible, look not like murderers, look, look not like thugs. I mean, like, does Brooklyn Nine-Nine or cops look anything like the showing that of Pat Lynch and this array of tough looking outer borough white men aligned no. to tell you we're actually good people, not murdering thugs? No. Did they did they make you look did they make you feel safe no. or protected at all? No. No. And so, you know, I would like to see the end of of that because I'm not sure how I can laugh at, you know, the supposed officer friendly when the re- reality is much more officer chauvin and the ridic- I mean like the ridiculousness nationwide of cops beating our asses. They were proving the argument day after day. And now we're seeing this wave of arrests in, uh, in Philadelphia, in New York, and other places. The officers who drove two SUVs into crowds, they haven't been arrested yet, but that may come soon.
2: But that's the point, is that like, they're the only profession where there is no personal accountability. Right. You know that? Like, if right. you are a, a surgeon, a doctor, you commit malpractice, Right? That is coming out of your pocket and that is yeah. now your problem. If yeah. you are a teacher and you are sleeping with a student or you hit a student, that is your personal problem. You're not getting a job someplace else. So we need to reimagine the ways in which we give so much deference to these police officers to do whatever the hell they want, and they have no accountability and personal responsibility. You know that the money that comes out to pay victims is coming out of our pocket. So they beat our asses. We pay their salaries and then we paying them again. We paying out again. Like it's 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 ridiculous. Cops John need Ol- to be held responsible and they need to be accountable. It's 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 it's, it's
1: a, they, I don't I, I need to Google this because I need to make sure this number is right. Because John Oliver said that the number of settlements, the amount paid in settlements was. Uh, yeah. The 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 largest police sold on this is this. I got to check this number because it was so gigantic. I'm like, this can't be right. Right. This can't be right. But I'm sure it it is. It's it's hold on. In five years, Mm -hmm. 10 cities with the largest police departments paid out one billion dollars in settlements.
2: But that's one billion of our dollars.
1: Oh, yeah. oh so yeah. So they
2: are not paying anything. We are paying for their wrongdoing.
1: I mean, like, is there any industry you could imagine? No. That would pay out a billion dollars over five years to an array of people and could kill 1,100 people a, a year. Month. A year. 1,100 a year. A year. And we're like... Yet they're doing a good job.
2: Yeah, things seem totally fine. Not there is not no, no place, no place on the planet except for police departments. And this is what is wrong. This is what needs to end. And this is what when people are talking about abolish the police and defund the police. This is exactly what they are talking about. It's absolutely ridiculous.
1: Um, all right. You know. I feel stressed.
2: <laughs> is that different from normal <laughs>
1: like a,
2: I don't democracy ish is not like a sedative it's not it's not it's not relaxing
1: um well you know i hope that people uh would feel like somebody hears them Yes, somebody is with them. Somebody is just as angry about where the world is right now um, for black and brown people and would feel community and kinship in that. And the things that I see on Twitter from people when they're like, you know, really appreciate you guys cheering us on. I think it's because they see we are in the same boat of anger and disgust and frustration at the country as they are.
2: Yeah, and we're not going to stop talking about it until it changes.
1: Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Tore.
2: And I'm Danielle Moody.
1: And we'll be back next week if there's a country.
2: You continue praying about it because God only knows. <laughs> we can't guarantee. cannot guarantee.
1: All right, peace.
0: And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the
0: jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80%
2: less than similar brands. Plus,